What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I am your host, James Murphy, a.k.a. Murph, and welcome to episode number 197. And boy, do we have a, col- I don't want to say a colossal, but it's a colossal shakeup in Celtics Nation, that's for sure. And that is obviously the trade of Marcus Smart gone from the Celtics off to Memphis. We're going to be breaking that down and how that kind of came to be. And of course, we I also want to break down the Celtics draft as well, just because they made a couple moves. Brad Stevens, you know, he was able to kind of make those moves. And I think that's exactly what people wanted him to do was to do this and do that. So Hopefully everyone had a fantastic week. Uh, I really don't want to talk about it all too, too much. But for those that have reached out in regards to my dog, Pete, he is doing much better after having back surgery. Uh, He is resting very well. He's recovering very well. Hopefully his recovery is fast and speedy. But I do want to give a massive thank you and let you guys know that I really appreciate you for just simply reaching out and be like, hey, hopefully you're doing all right. Let us know if you need anything, da-da-da-da-da. So that out of the way, I also kind of want to mention for those that may be listening to this today on Friday, I did previously post that the shop is open from 12 to 5. However, that's not the case anymore. Open regular hours today from 12 to 8, normal hours. So I just want to get a couple things out of the way. But let's talk about the Celtics and the draft. And we really didn't talk too, too much about the Celtics and the draft leading up to the draft. Just because at the time they had no draft picks. So, I mean, they had a second round guy. But are we really going to sit here and talk about the second round and hmm, this and that? The second round. It's a second round. So, anyways, whatever. But we made some moves. Brad Stevens made four separate trades. I'm If I'm reading that correctly, where is it? Celtics were busy on draft night pulling off four separate trades. Uh, let's see. This is an article from SportingNews.com by Kyle Irving. Nine minutes ago. I'm going to read that down. But I want to talk about Chris Porzingis. I think that conversation, that piece, that trade deserves a lot of conversation. So what happened? Well, I got to give you a little bit of backstory first. And this honestly all happened in a matter of hours. Celtics originally had a deal in place with the Celt themselves, the Wizards, and the Clippers. Celtics were going to get Porzingis. The Clippers were going to get Malcolm Brogdon. And the Wizards were going to get some, some players. Well, because of Malcolm Brogdon's elbow forearm injury that kind of hindered him in the Eastern Conference Finals that has raised some concerns with the Clippers so the Clippers eventually backed out of the deal okay then Celtics had a midnight deadline before Porzingis had to opt into his deal making him unavailable to be traded what until like January I think so in order to avoid that Celtics had to had to figure out something they were able to keep the deal in place with the wizards but they added the grizzlies as the third partner to make things work all the way around so instead of brogdon being traded 
Now, it doesn't mean he's off the table, but that forearm injury might be a concern for a lot of teams moving forward. It very well might be. So instead of Brogdon, Celtics traded Marcus Smart. Now, a lot of people for years and years and years have wanted Marcus Smart to be traded. They wanted him off the team. They wanted him stop taking shots. And I get it. But it's like now that the day is finally here, those people that were saying to trade and get rid of Marcus Smart are very quiet. I mean, Marcus Smart was the bloodline, the heartbeat, the soul of this team. And it sucks to see him go. And like I understand business is business. And, you know, this day may have eventually come. Whether he walks in free agency, whether that's him being traded, uh, released, retiring. The day was eventually going to come. But it feels super duper bittersweet. It really does. I think the majority of people like the trade of what they were able to get for Marcus Smart. But I feel like a lot of people also don't. So let me just go over the... the the breakdown. The Celtics received Kristaps Porzingis from the Wizards, the number 25th pick in the dra- last night's draft from the Grizzlies, and then a 2024 first-round pick, which is a top four protected. That is from the Warriors, but I believe that is, I think that is by via the Wizards. I think by way of. Um, Golden State. I'm not exactly sure where that pick originated from. I'm trying to think. Who have they done business with? Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, Grizzlies received Marcus Smart, obviously from the Celtics. And the Wizards received Tyus Jones from the Grizzlies. Danilo Gallinari from the Celtics. Mike Muscala from the Celtics. And the number 35th pick in the draft last night from, obviously, the Celtics. So they were able to, able to turn the Celtics... Two bench guys and a second-round pick into Porzingis. A first-round pick this year, which I'll get into what they did with that. And then a first-round pick, top four protected next year. So, I mean, what, what, what does that mean for the Celtics? Well, before we can really truly break what any of that means down, we have to look at what Brad Stevens did last night at the draft. So entering the draft, they only had one pick, originally a second-round pick, but then after the trade, they had round one pick 25. Uh, let's see. Uh, they eventually would end up, uh, I guess the trade would have to be finalized later, which I don't know why the tra- trades can't get finalized right then and there. I know in the NFL they do. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever. Four separate trades, like I already mentioned. But they did take Jordan Walsh. Is he a guard forward from Arkansas, I believe? The second round pick 38. Now, let's kind of go over these four trades because they were kind of... I don't want to say all over the place, but they were here and there, here and there. Okay, Boston selected, uh, what was his name, Marcus Sasser with the number... I know, another Marcus, right, to replace Marcus. With the number 25 pick it received in the deal for Smart but sent the underclassman guard to the Pistons in exchange for the 31st pick and two future second rounders. Boston then flipped the number 31 pick, which was Barcelona FC center James Naji, to the Hornets in exchange for picks number 34 and 39. The Celtics then traded 
the number 34 pick to the Kings, who that pick was selected to take Colby Jones for pick number 38, followed by another move to send pick number 39 to the Hawks for a future second-round pick. It was just all over the place. It was really all over the place. So to break that down, Boston turned the number 25th pick into pick number 38 plus four second-round picks. How much do I like that? I don't really know, but that is very Bill Belichick-esque. I know you have more draft picks in football, and you can kind of maneuver them more. There's more trades to the you know, fourth round, third round, seventh round, and second. You know, There's just more rounds to kind of play with draft, draft picks. But I need to read this one again. The Celtics then traded the number 34 pick for pick number 38, followed by another move to send pick 39. So did they just take 34 and just trade it down to 38? Is that literally all they did? Let's see. This is, that's the first move. That's the second move. Second move. No, I guess, yeah. And then followed by another move to send pick 39 to the Hawks for a future second round pick. I don't know. There's a lot of maneuvering. At the end of the day, Celtics pick at 38. They took Jordan Walsh out of Arkansas. So here's a little breakdown of him. Boston elected to go young with its lone draft pick, selecting Arkansas freshman forward Jordan Walsh. The 19-year-old is a physical and versatile defender, standing at 6'7", 205 pounds, with a 7'2", wingspan. His length makes him a suffocating on-ball defender, and his quick instincts allow him to jump passing lanes for steals and deflections. Sounds a lot like someone we used to have. He plays with a high motor on both ends of the floor, crashing the glass and scoring off of cuts. I like that. His swing skill will be his perimeter shooting. He struggled from beyond the arc during his only collegiate season, shooting just 27.8% from three-point range. But he only had 72 attempts, and his form doesn't show any major red flags. Okay. Walsh with the loan will be a longer-term play for the Celtics team with the championship aspirations, but I can see head coach Joe Mazzulla using him in certain moments for a spark of intensity on the defensive end. I just hope they actually use the kid because I, I remember watching Arkansas in the in March Madness and they were actually pre- kind of good. And he was like the the juice. He was like the Marcus Smart of the team, pretty much. And that was the, obviously the player I was referring to. I You know, the, the Celtics have had poor drafting in years past. They've also had really good drafting in years past. I mean, Celtics selected J.D. Davidson last year and he hasn't done anything. I'd like to see him get some run to see if he is or can be a factor on the Celtics moving forward. I would like to see Jordan Walsh get some run and to see if he can be a factor on the Celtics because with Jason Tatum going to be costing you a ton of money, Jalen Brown going to be costing you a ton of money, you got to fill out the rest of the roster. I mean, you don't have Smart anymore. You don't have Gallinari. Not that he played, but he was going to. That was the original plan. Also, you got rid of Mike Muscala, who gave you some, you know, second rotation minutes. What's the future of Grant Williams? What's the future of Peyton Pritchard? Are they going to stay? Are they going to be dealt? Who knows? Free free agency is on the horizon. What moves can the Celtics make? There's a lot of question marks. There really is. And to get a little injection of youth in this team, for not only the now, but of course the future as well, I think is going to be very critical. And very important 
for the long-term stability of the Celtics team. So before I kind of divert any further, I do want to break down the four future second rounders the Celtics added tonight. Uh, 2025 best of Golden State Warriors, Washington, or Detroit. Detroit portion is top 55 protected. Really? Top 55 protected? There's 60 picks in the draft. That's stupid. <laughs> that is beyondly stupid. But whatever. Best of Golden State, Washington, or Detroit, but it's top, 20, uh, top 55 protected, so probably not going to get that one. Uh, Washington, Golden State, probably Washington will have the higher selection. 2026, best of New York Knicks, Minnesota, Portland, and New Orleans. Okay, I, I, I hate how there's so many stipulations. Why can't it just be straight up? No, you know, only protect first-round picks top five. I get, I don't know. It just the protection thing is just so complicated. It makes things. Detroit top fifty-five protect. Stop it. Uh, twenty twenty-four Dallas and twenty twenty-seven Atlanta. So a little bit of flexibility uh, in the coming years. I don't know what the Celtics draft picks uh, look like moving forward. Celtics draft picks by year. I saw picks by year. Oh no, I don't want all. I don't want to know who they actually took. Uh, oh my goodness. Da, do do do. Future. Here we go. Future. Thank you. So they have. They have a first round pick next year. It's their own. And they have Sacramento's second-round pick, but this isn't updated to the point where they also have Dallas's second-round pick next year. So that's 2024, 25, 26, 27, 29 are all their own first-round picks. Okay, that makes sense. They lost a lot of second-round picks, but that's okay. They were able to refuel them with an additional second round pick again 24 25 26 27 not too bad they have nothing in 2028 but you can always figure that out down the road very interesting very interesting brad stevens was able to make a bunch of moves really able to kind of i don't want to say finagle the draft but he was able to maneuver he kept moving down and moving down and moving down and hopefully eventually taking the guy that he wanted and also accumulating additional draft assets as well which obviously just broke down there but let me know what you guys think of the celtics moves uh whether it was the marcus smart move bringing in Przingis, drafting a certain guy and then trading out maybe it was just trading out in general taking jordan walsh let me know what you guys think about the celtics trades and of course there's draft selection reach out to me via social media at murph's card town you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook. Or if you listen to this video on YouTube, drop a comment down below. I can't wait to read and reply to any and all comments. While you're doing that, please like the video and also consider subscribing to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. So as we transition from Celtics and basketball into another topic, I did want to talk about Red Sox and just kind of what they've been doing, but I think feel like we need to kind of uh, talk about this Jack Jones situation uh, with him at the airport. 
I think this happened. I don't know when exactly it happened. It might have happened last Friday morning. I didn't know about it or Saturday morning, and I just missed it. But obviously, there's been a little bit of time that has elapsed. I want to break it down just a little bit. In a vacuum, just to be really blunt, he brought two loaded guns to the airport. TSA caught him. This was at Logan, by the way. And his future isn't up, up in the air. That is just the blunt, cl highest cliff notes possible. The steepest cliff of cliff notes possible. But let's just really dive into it a little bit. So I, I briefly skimmed this article when I was trying to figure out how I should discuss and talk about this storyline. Because this is a storyline that needs to be discussed, especially around here and with the uncertainties of the 2023 Patriots season. So this is an article from WBZ Boston. Uh, was it CBSNews.com? CBS, Boston, whatever. This is an article written by Michael Hurley from June 21st. So just a couple days ago. And, oh, man, again, really tough pill to swallow if you look at it in a vacuum. But l let's just break it down and see if we can kind of find either some reasoning, logic, or just find a way that, you know... What he did may not have been his fault. I don't know. I don't know. When news broke Friday night. Okay, so it was Friday night. So I, I didn't happen when I was able to talk about last week's episode. Uh, when news broke Friday night, a Patriots player getting arrested for being, bringing loaded guns to airport security. The initial reaction was one of shock. Kind of like what we just had here, right? How could it not be? Bringing a loaded firearm in a carry-on bag for a cross-country flight is unfathomable move in most people's minds, especially in a day and age post 9/11. In the days that followed, the reactions and coverage reflected this perception. Again, this is not this is to be expected. Yet, with the arraignment over and with nearly two months until the probable cause hearing, perhaps the initial reaction wave is nearing its end. As it stands now, Jack Jones is still a member of the New England Patriots. His attorney, Rosemary. Scapiccio, Scapiccio said that the situation, quote, almost got him fired, end quote, which indicates for now, at least the Patriots made a decision not to cut ties with the 25 year old cornerback. While a while a severing of ties remains a strong possibility for a team that may be extra sensitive to crimes involving firearms. The fact that it hasn't happened yet indicates that the team is at least entertaining the possibility of riding out the storm. Why might that be? Certainly, the evidence pertaining to the arrest seems cut and dry, yet there are two numbers relevant to the situation that could be in play. The first number, 6,542. Now, again, I only skimmed this article, and when I first saw the first number, I was like, what, what, what are we talking about here? A related number to that one would be $14,950. So what's the number? It's the record that was set last year when TSA confiscated 6,542 guns at airport security. Here's the number to go with that one, too. 88% of those guns were loaded. Okay, that's a tick under 18 guns per day being discovered at airport security around the country, with 16 of them being loaded. So this is unfortunately kind of common practice now obviously if you want to break down the number of travelers per day going through security compared to the amount of travelers going through security that are caught with these firearms the number is extremely small but if you just look at it in a vacuum 6,542 guns were confiscated at 
airport security across the country last year, record-setting number, and 88% of them were loaded, seems a lot more common than we may think. Unfortunately, I'm not, I'm not trying to you know, excuse it or make it, make it acceptable. I'm just saying. The cash number is 14590 is the fine attached to travelers per violation who are found to have guns at the airport. In Boston this year, Jones' guns were the ninth and 10th firearm found at security checkpoints in the calendar year of 2023. Nationally, TSA officers intercepted, huh, funny, intercepted, 1,508 firearms at airport security checkpoints in the first three months of this year, and more than 93% of those guns were loaded. That number shows an increase from the first quarter of 2022. An NPR story from February highlighted extensive efforts that some airports, particularly in Atlanta and Miami, have made to have made to remind travelers not to carry guns in their carry-on items. Those efforts include hologram signs, postings on 70-inch televisions, uh, other quote high-visibility signage, installations, and communication to travelers through airlines to passengers to remind them to make sure they aren't carrying weapons. Um, all, all of this for now, uh, for much of it is to da, 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 da. Okay. I don't care. What give me about, uh, Jack Jones. Now that they're mitigating circumstances with Jones for one, the weapons were, weren't licensed in Massachusetts. However, Massachusetts doesn't require out of state residents to register their guns while transporting them quote, provide provided the firearms are unloaded and enclosed in a case while traveling End quote. Jones's guns were not unloaded, as we know, and he also had two large capacity feeding devices in this magazines. In this case, a 15 round magazine in one and a 30 round magazine in the box containing the weapons. Massachusetts law defines a large capacity feeding device as any device that carries more than 10 rounds of ammunition. So it's not as simple as Jones being hit with two $14,590 fines and going on his way, understandably. Yet, for as much as the state is discussing mandatory minimum jail sentence related to some of the nine charges facing Jones, that only represents one extreme of the p potential punishment. The other extreme is a simple fine because Jones, uh, because Jones's weapons were loaded and because he had some magazines that violated Massachusetts law, he will certainly will receive a harsher punishment than the basic fine. But if Jones like most offendants who commit this act, can prove that it was a mistake, he and his attorney can likely find a comfortable middle ground with the Commonwealth. And because states can't afford to incarcerate 6,542 people who mistakenly have their guns in their carry-on luggage, there does seem to be a real possibility for a resolution that does not land Jones in jail for these alleged offenses. Uh, unfortunately, data on how many offenders end up serving jail time is difficult to find. So that's the first number. 6,500, was it 42? Okay. Now, again, I'm just expressing and breaking down the information here, which I think it's important, you know, because Jones is going to play a vital factor to this team this coming year, especially where you drafted Christian Gonzalez, who's had a great OTA minicamp. Again, Jack Jones, you got Jonathan Jones moving back to the slot. Marcus Jones kind of being your flex corner. Jalen Mills, Adrian Phillips, Kyle Duggar in the secondary or in the safeties. And so your secondary is going to look really solid. Jack Jones is not on the team, suspended or in jail. It's going to take kind of a big blow, I think, especially a year after losing Devin McCourty to retirement. The second number, two. 
Refocusing the situation back on the NFL, we ought to look at gun offenses and how Roger Goodell and the league responded. Take the case of Frank Clark, the three-time Pro Bowl defensive tackle was pulled over on two separate occasions in 2021. Both times, a police officer found weapons in the car that turned out to be unregistered. Just three months later, he was pulled over again and another gun was found in his vehicle. For these offenses, the NFL suspended Clark for two games. That suspension was handed down more than six weeks after Clark had pleaded no contest to the gun charges. Clark pl played in seven games for the Chiefs after pleading no contest before the two-game suspension was issued in late October. He played and started the final eight games of the season as well as the Chiefs' three postseason games en route to a Super Bowl championship. That number of two is highlighted to the point of this. Jack Jones is almost certain to play in the NFL again. After his legal matter is resolved, while Clark didn't bring his gun to airport security, but he was arrested twice on charges of illegal gun possession, and the league was in no rush to suspend him. When the suspension finally came, it was just for two games. This is going back too far, but after Plaxico Burris accidentally shot himself in the leg in 2008, the Giants only suspended him for four games. He, of course, ended up serving a lengthy prison sentence, but he did return to the field to play two more seasons in 2011 and 2012. Of course, every situation is different, and there's no way of diminishing the significant variables from Jones' incident taking place at an airport in a state with stricter gun laws than most, while employed by a team that has to have heightened sensitivity to legal violations involving firearms. For those that are wondering on why Aaron Hernandez situation from like 10 years ago, uh, no need to get into it, but you know, the heightened sensitivity, you know, a team with gun history, Aaron Hernandez. Yet, when we taking those two factors together, the overall legal and professional outlook for Jones may not be as bleak as originally believed when he was arrested less than a week ago. So this is a really good article. I really did enjoy it. It definitely sheds a lot of light on not only Jones's situation, but the potential outcome of Jones's situation. Good bad i mean again no way to justify bringing firearms to uh an airport through tsa security especially at logan uh logan you know is where i think one or two of the 9-11 flights originated from i know my mom actually took a flight out to iceland to visit my sister in the military she was stationed in iceland for the navy when 9-11 it was that that morning it was that morning she landed in iceland and she had no idea about 9-11 so Massachusetts, Logan, New England, very sensitive to guns, especially in the place of work, airport, Patriots. There's a lot to really take into uh, consideration. I just wish he was a little smarter, that's all. I mean, it's kind of puzzling. In all honesty, it really is. But hopefully the legal issues can resolve themselves out, and hopefully he doesn't have to serve any jail time. Maybe a suspension, but he doesn't get cut. Now, this is the thing that I I want to know, and I never will. What if a regular person, regular 9-to-5 kind of guy, he uh, decent job, was to do that? Is he going to jail? I mean, I know the article said that you, know, you can't lock up 6,000 people for, for bringing in guns to airports. Just, I feel like... If I was to see that in person, I feel like all hell would break loose. And I feel like that person would get locked up. I don't know. It's just me. Maybe not. 
maybe I'm just kind of uh, thinking the worst on the situation where it can be professionally resolved. And TSA is there to obviously handle matters like that. But it just it just doesn't seem like what if one slips by? I'm just kind of I'm kind of going on a tangent here. Let's talk Red Sox, shall we? Let's let's talk the Boston Red Sox. Uh, they split their series with Minnesota, right? They swept the Yankees. They lost two of three to the Rockies. They they split the series with New York back in New York. This is what this team is going to be, a middling 500 team. They're going to win a few games. They're going to lose a couple games. They're going to win some series. They're going to lose some series. This is what it's going to be. They've dug themselves such a deep hole that it's going to be so hard to come out of. I think they're like, what, three and a half games out of a wild card spot if I uh, if I checked correctly. Uh, I could probably do that. I could probably do it really quickly right here. Uh, Rays would be one. You'd be two. You'd be three. Wild card teams. Orioles. Uh, let's see. It's based on winning percentage. Orioles. Okay, Yankees and Astros right now would be your three wild card teams. So yeah, you're three and a half games out. Uh, you do have the Angels. You got the Blue Jays ahead of you. So you're not too far off. You're you're not. You've made up some ground since the last time we really dove into the Red Sox. And for that, I will commend them. Nice job. But should we really be, you know, co- you know, congratulating a team for being above 500 and being the third team out of the wild card picture? Being three, uh, was it two and a half games out of wild card spot? No. I mean, listen, we do have. Uh, let's see, we've got the White Sox, the Marlins, the Blue Jays, Rangers. I mean, the Rangers are going to be a good series. I mean, there's a lot of good series coming up that the that the Red Sox are going to get tested on. Not the White Sox aren't really one of them. The Marlins are going to be one of them because they've been playing fairly well. The Rangers sure as hell going to be one. And then the Blue Jays, who, of course, are ahead of them. It's going to be another. I just, it's annoying. I mean, I want to talk about the Red Sox. I mean, for the next, well, I mean, I guess season two is ending next week. But, like, hypothetically, let's say, you know, the podcast was going to be running throughout the month of July yeah, we have the national to talk about. We can talk about the hobby. Yeah, we can talk about the Patriots and training camp at the end of July and into August. But what are we really going to be talking about? Yeah, NBA free agency. But we don't really know what moves the Celtics are going to be making. Yeah, we could talk about the NHL uh, draft and free agency. But we don't know what kind of moves the Bruins are going to be making. You know, of course, once it happens, that's when we talk about it. We can talk about rumors and such and all this. But none of those teams are playing right now. The Red Sox, right now... Baseball is happening. And, you know, if the Red Sox were first place in the division or if they were just really competitive, like two games out, it's a lot easier to talk about, like, hey, we dropped a couple, but listen, we swept this team, we won two of three, we're not letting the rails, you know, completely blow up, we're back on track, and let's just go get the next one. Like, it's a lot different of a conversation when you're in the juice of it, when you're in the thick of things. Like you gotta jump the Blue Jays and you gotta jump the Yankees to get into the playoffs. I don't think the Astros are gonna fall off anytime soon. Angels might fall off. So you have a couple teams you gotta jump. You do. And I just don't know if the Red Sox can do it, sustain it long term. 
I would like to think that they can. I would love to think that they can. But again, every other week or whenever we're talking about the Celtics, uh, Red Sox, excuse me, it's just like, ah, oh, they just lost two or three to the uh, the Rockies. Hey, you know, we just we just swept the Yankees. Ah, uh, we split with the Twins. We really, uh, it's nice, but we should have really won three or four. Like, it's just like so polarizing, so emotionally tearing. But the Red Sox, listen, they've, they proved me wrong here at points. I'm not going to lie. But they're just inconsistent. Or they're they're consistent at being inconsistent. I like that. They're inconsistent at being they're in, they're consistent at being inconsistent. It's like a tongue twister. My goodness. I want to know what the Red Sox plan is to do come trade deadline cuz that's in about 6 weeks or so. Was it August 31st? Uh, August 1st, excuse me. Uh, let me check. I know it used to be the 31st, but I think they pushed it back to the 1st now. Why? I don't know. But they need to add. They have to add to this team. Yes, Trevor Story's coming back. And for the love of God, I hate when they do this. Like any team does this. Oh, we have a player coming back from injury. That's like an addition without adding. It's like, oh my God, no, 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 no. Trevor Story's going to be a great help, I think. Hopefully. Jeez, I hope. That's what everyone was telling me. You know, when people were saying, like, you know, Bogart's left. Oh, we got Trevor Story. Well, then dude's elbow blew up. You need pitching. You need pitching. I mean, we could we could look at all these games and see which ones they won scoring less than four runs. One against the Yankees. Two against the Yankees. And I, I really don't want to go any further back. I mean, we've done this so many times. We've done this experiment so many times. I think we did it when, we were t- uh, when the Red Sox were playing the Reds. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it's just insanely impossible for this team to win a game scoring less than four runs. The offense with Duvall back, it's gone a little bit better, but the pitching is still the biggest thing, whether it's the bullpen or starters. And with Chris Sale out, with Tanner Houck out, Kluber in the bullpen, Pavetta in the bullpen, you need starting pitching help. And, I, and I'm not just talking about some 34-year-old guy you know, with an expiring contract who has like a 4.3 ERA who's like 8-8 eight and eight this year. Or I should say like 6-8. and eight. No, no, no. I'm talking about like someone legit. Now, do I want the Red Sox to overexpend for this player? Not really, but you know what? It wouldn't be the worst thing. Right now, you have uh, Brian Bayo, who's been pitching very well. I don't even know who else is in their rotation, to be honest. Now that I think of it, um, I, I actually I don't even know who's in there. You have Whitlock, who's been playing all right. Wait, is that really it? Who's the Red Sox starting pitchers? Red Sox. I, I honestly couldn't tell you who, who their starting pitchers are right now. I type in Red Sox starting pitchers, and Red Ruffing comes up. All right, here's the probables for the next week. Brian Bayo, James Paxton, Cutter Crawford, to be determined, to be determined. Cutter Crawford's been decent this year. 3.74 ERA, 2-3, and three, I'll take it. Paxton, since he's returned, 3-1, 3.29 ERA. And Bayo had a rough start to the uh, season. Seems like he's right in the ship, and I love watching him pitch. He is exciting to watch. But after those guys, then what? 
then what? I mean, we're not going to do the whole opener thing. We're, we're not doing that. Like, again, you know, if it's a doubleheader, if it's a spot start, you know, short notice, fine. I get it. But they had an opener in Justin Garza yesterday. Then they had Brandon Walter, who probably will get that uh, next start. He went six and two-thirds getting called up from AAA. That's what I like. I like that. Six and two-thirds, almost seven innings, essentially in relief. Okay, let's give him a start. Uh, let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. What'd they do Wednesday? Who'd they start Wednesday? Garrett Whitlock. Okay, so Whitlock uh, will probably start on Tuesday for the Sox. And then give me that Brandon Walter dude. But again, I mean, is this a rotation that we feel comfortable with moving forward? A guy who did give up, what, three, four runs, but he pitched almost seven innings. Whitlock, who has been kind of up and down. He had a nice start last week. Cutter Crawford, who, who's pitching well, but, you know, there's obviously still going to be some pause and concern. There's still a lot of time left. Hopefully you can get Chris Sale back. I don't know what the timetable for Tanner Houck is. Hopefully it's not too long. But listen, having a lot of starting pitches is not a bad thing. Having too many guys is not a bad thing. I just want to know if Bloom's going to be a buyer or a seller at the deadline. Because last year he was both, and you can't do both. You can't trade Christian Vasquez and then trade for Tommy Pham and say, we're, we're going to try to compete this year. You can't do that. Trade one, trade them all. Or trade, uh, trade none or trade them all. There's, you know, if it's this point of the season come July, uh, August 1st, why not try to buy? Obviously, if you can't get a deal done that you don't feel comfortable with, don't do it. But why not give us, as Red Sox fans, something to root for? I feel like we got robbed that last year. Uh, they didn't get any help in 2021 for their postseason push. And I think if they were able to make a move and bring in some help in that lineup in 2021, I think they beat the Astros. They were up. Two games to one. They were two games away from the World Series. Not gonna, hey, I'm not going to sit here and say they would have won the World Series. But still. But still. So that's going to be my Red Sox discussion. Um, a lot of questions still. I mean, I feel like I'm going to have a lot of question marks still in regards to the Red Sox. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately. They, they just make me so speechless sometimes. They really do. They do a really good job of making me speechless, which... Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, I guess in a team that I'm so passionate about, you're so passionate about, it's probably not the best thing, but it is what it is. Let's talk about sports cards because I feel like that there is a massive discussion to be had in regards to sports cards, especially with only two weeks left or two episodes left, this one and next one for season two. And of course, I'm going to be posting tons of videos and social media content about sports cards like I have been but we're about a month away, right? Uh, let's see. I mean, I don't know exactly. Uh, let's see. 7, 14. We're about four and a half weeks away. Four and a half weeks away from the, was it the 43rd Nationals? Super exciting. Very, very excited. We're four and a half weeks away. We're getting to that point where we should be saving. We should be starting to plan out who we want to be after. We should be looking at who to buy 
I mean, we shouldn't be bringing if we have stuff now that we're bringing then to try to move. Unless it's a long term play, it's very questionable why you still have it. I mean, listen, I have cards. I mean, granted, I have a brick and mortar retail shop, so obviously I need to have cards at all times. I need to hold cards longer than I want to. But I'm bringing I'm bringing some cards there that I, I'm looking to move. Hell yeah. So listen, this is my this is my thing. This is what I'm want to say about the national being this far away but in the same breath this close away gotta start planning now if you haven't already if you haven't started planning who you want to buy who you want to try or what you want to bring who you want to be after what kind of moves you want to make dollar cards value boxes slabs raw cards you need to start now you have to start now because if you start any later than now, I personally feel like you may be underprepared because the national, if it's your first one, I mean, me, it's only, it's going to be my second one. So it's still going to be breathtaking. It's going to be bigger than Atlantic city in Chicago. So it's going to be walking in and I'm going to be wild again. I'm going to be wild again. And I need to make sure that I am prepared. And again, if this is your first one, or maybe this is your umpteenth one, whatever, preparation is key. Because when you walk in there, you're going to be memorized. You're going to be confused and dazed and, and just in shock and awe. However, if you can go there with a written plan, with a written outline of what you would like to be doing, again, whether that's dollar cards, value boxes, slabs, whatever it may be, vintage maybe, you're going to be prepared. Because then you're going to be, oh my God, look at all this stuff. Holy crap. Oh my God. And then you're going to pull out your phone or maybe a piece of paper and be like, all right, I need to look for this. And then you're just going to refocus yourself. You're going to be able to refocus yourself. And hopefully the distractions and the and everything going on at the national, I don't want to say it's going to be subsided or it's going to go away, but it's not going to be easily distracting you because you're going to have your written list of whatever you're looking for ready to rock and roll. And I'm going to make a separate YouTube video about this because this is a very important conversation that needs to be had at this time. Because again, I know the market's going to change, but being prepared is key. Buy football now to maybe sell it then, or maybe you're looking to sell, uh, buy it then. Maybe you're looking to buy basketball, hockey, baseball, or sell those sports. Whatever your plan is, listen, there's no right or wrong. It's the sports card hobby. The market is always changing every single day. It's always doing something. So you could say one thing now, and it could be completely different come, come the national. Why? Who knows? Just that's how the market shapes and turns and trends. But whatever the plan is, needs to be established now to be prepared. Because if you go there... With no plan, nothing written down, no notes, no research done. You're, you're going to get, in a good way, I mean, in a good way because it is in a, it's like an amusement park really for sports cards. In a good way, you're just going to get caught up in the lights and the glamour and the, oh, look at that, 10000 wow, look at that $10,000 card. Oh, but look at this one, this one's 9000 wow, wow. And you just, what are you here for? Are you here to just look at cards? Or are you here to buy cards, sell cards, make deals? What are you here for? And I think being prepared with a written breakdown, a written plan will help you significantly. 
So again, I'm going to make a separate YouTube video about this because I do think this is a conversation that needs to be had uh, again and again and again. And I just want to be able to go into more depth and highlight certain things because the national as breathtaking and amazing as it is, it can be distracting. Not going to lie. Make sure you drink the water there too, because you do a lot of walking and you get cramped up and such. So make sure you bring some water, but that is going to wrap it up for today's episode, episode number 197. Again, this is the second to last episode of season two. I'm very, very excited for the conclusion of season two next week. However, if there's anything that you want to talk about that we discussed in this episode, reach out to me via social media at Murph's Car Town via Twitter, Instagram, and of course, Facebook as well. If you're listening to this video on YouTube, please make sure you smash the thumbs up button, comment down below, and of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new or haven't considered subscribing. So I greatly appreciate the love and support. But for you audio-only listeners, you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk anywhere. You find your podcast anywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Radio Public, Stitcher. I mean, the list goes on and on. You know where you listen to your podcast. You know the platform that you like to use, your preferred platform. That is where you can find Murph's Boston Sports Talk. So I would greatly appreciate you downloading, listening, and enjoying. But that will wrap it up for today's episode. Again, thank you so much for joining me. I cannot wait to catch you next week for the Season 2 finale of Murph's Boston Sports Talk. I'm very, very excited to dive in, to talk about whatever we're going to be talking about then. But you guys know that I love you, and I will always, always see you. (music) 